everyone, and welcome to the Cutaways Podcast. I'm Justine. And I'm Ashley. That's Ashley. I'm dead inside today. Happy Valentine's Happy Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Are you my Valentine? I think I'm obligated, right? Yeah. It's contractual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you signed up for this podcast. That means that I signed something that included things I didn't know, like, you know, agreements. Yeah. Hidden agreements. Hidden agreement. You got to read the fine print. Yeah. Do you remember last year? I'm not going to do this again this year. Don't worry. But do you remember last year when I sent you all those Valentines for like two weeks? Yeah. <laughs> and Sam was like really upset. Yeah. You can't do it again. <laughs> I'm, I won't. When you when you out, when you outshine the husband, <laughs> then you're like, okay, I'll take a step back. But you know. You didn't even really outshine him. It was like a depressing time just in general. And so he's like trying to to handle the emotional ups and downs. And then he's he sees you being all goofy and like cute. And he's like, I'm not getting enough like payment out of this. <laughs> so today literally mm-hmm. is the anniversary of me flying back for the first time to see my grandma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a lot. Valentine's Day was fucked up, guys. Yeah. I mean, well, that's why I also was like, here you go, Ashley. Extra loves from me to you via (laughs) Hamilton uh, memes. But but you were doing all the goofy stuff, and then Sam was dealing with, like, the real real shit. (laughs) Like, the not sleeping, the not eating, the, the staring off into space. Any, any uh, Valentine's plans, or are you going to skip going out because going out is terrible? We might go to a movie. Ooh. Not the Valentine's. We've done the, v- have I told you the story about the time that we did the Valentine's Day movie of the year, one year? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. We went and saw A Winter's Tale with What's-Her-Face from Downton Abbey and Colin Farrell and Demean Moore and some child okay. that has cancer. Okay. Oh, and Russell Crowe. And Russell Crowe. And uh, Will Smith is the devil. What? Yeah. Right? Okay. Okay. So, yeah, we went and saw that movie because Sam was like, I want to do the Valentine's thing uh-huh. this year. And so he took me and we got we went to a Chicago uh, style pizzeria. So I got like Chicago style food. Uh huh. And then we went to the movies and sat next to this girl who was like really into the movie. And me and Sam were holding everything back from laughing the entire time because so there's this point in the movie. So the movie takes place in two different time periods. Uh huh. So you've got modern day Demi Moore with her cancer child. And then you've got Colin Farrell and the angels, the Irish angels in the past. I remember this. And so he like falls in love with this girl who has like tuberculosis Uh or typhus or something. And he literally has sex with her and she dies while they're having sex. Like he fucks her to death. (laughs) And I found that so hilarious. (laughs) Uh, It just, I couldn't help but laugh. And the woman next to me was full-blown bawling (laughs) while I'm like having a, like a crisis of conscience trying to hold in this laughter. And it didn't last for very long. It was the stupidest movie ever. Wow. And that's how you celebrated your Valentine's Day. Yeah. Like it was like our first or something valentine's day Mm. it was the worst (laughs) now that we've told our tales let's talk about our winter's tales (laughs) well this podcast deals strictly in romantic comedies where we're watching them assessing them analyzing them through the ages studying them so we can be experts forever and ever and ever about this genre genre (laughs) that we semi-hate we semi-hate and but but kind of actually really love i i didn't you know i didn't like rom-coms before yeah like at all no not at all and now i'm like oh yeah i totally love them (laughs) today is one of those days where i just absolutely hate them like i'm like fuck this movie no no yes no it's still january (laughs) yes this is our our final january film i think next year like you know how we do Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. we should do January first, and we'll do it. We'll do a flashback John Cusack movie. Okay, for the new year. That that'll be happy. our podcast. Yeah, that's our holidays. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
So what are we watching today then to complete our January celebration? So today we are completing January with 2001's Serendipity. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) I read the description last night and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to hate this movie. No! Yes! No, you're not allowed. (laughs) But so many people are going to get hurt. It's okay. (laughs) So the Netflix description for serendipity is depressing. One. (laughs) As Netflix descriptions normally are. Mm -hmm. Though strangers Sarah Thomas and Jonathan Traeger are already in relationships, they realize they have genuine chemistry after a chance encounter. But they soon part company. Years later, they yearn to reunite. Despite being destined for the altar. I don't like it. I don't like the term here, destined for the altar. I also don't like the yearn. Like, her her loins itch for his penis. Like, that's just weird. Uh, uh, They had chemistry. So, yeah, this movie... Sounds totally cool and healthy, and everyone's going to have happier relationships. It stars John Cusack, <laughs> who we also saw in 16 Candles, Say Anything, Gross Point Blank, High Fidelity, and to the last episode of January was American Sweethearts. Uh-huh. It also stars Kate Beckinsale, Molly Shannon, who we saw in Never Been Kissed, and that's actually it. I thought there was one more. <laughs> anyway, it was directed by Peter Kelson? Kelsum? Kel- Shelson? It's another British guy. We've been getting uh, British directors lately. Because they know the romantic comedy, apparently. Yeah. This movie was edited by Christopher Greenberry, who we also saw his work in There's Something About Mary. Yeah. It was also edited by Charles Ireland, who's credited as the additional editor. Now we have 4,000 assistants. <laughs> Why? There were so many. Why? There were 10 assistant editors. 10. Plus three apprentice editors. And spanning LA, Toronto, and New York. Yeah. This is, this is, mm, yeah. I'm really concerned about this movie. I feel like this is, that's a bad sign. I know. I I had no idea, Ashley. I had no idea. (laughs) You had no idea that this probably ruined people's lives. I'm sorry. So, um, the assistant editors that were credited for L.A. were Richard Boham, Matthew Castle, Craig Nisker. The four assistant editors who were credited for Toronto were Claire Brombau, Aaron Marshall, Sonia Albjic, I think, Don M. Strolar. And the three assistant editors who were credited for New York were Tom Foligio, Shelby Seagull, Seagull, mm-hmm. Rana, Renana, mm-hmm. Renana, <laughs> Renana. <laughs> well, it's like Hannah. Yeah. Rana, Rana, Rana. That's a lot of nuns. There's a lot of ends. Renana, Renana. The three apprenticed film editors were Sam Vaney, Julia Garcias, and Mikkel Shemesh. Shemesh. Shemesh who is the apprentice film editor in New York. This movie is rated PG-13 for a scene of sexuality and for brief language. Why is it specified a scene? Just Uh. say sexuality. (laughs) Oh my God. They really did not know how to preface their rating system. So the movie is an hour and 31 minutes long and it's rated 3.5 stars on Netflix. We made it through the 4,000 assistants. Wow. Now that you've been here for 4,000 hours. 525,600 minutes. Pretty much. Ashley's going to hate it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to love it. Or maybe something else. Sam's going to be in between. Yeah. Because he's probably going to watch it with us. That'll be good. Merry Christmas. Happy Valentine's. No, I don't want to go back to Christmas. No. There, I'm calling it now. I'm going to hate it. Sorry. If I don't, this is the future me is a dumbass. <laughs> Tune in. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait for the, the cut. Yep. Because here it comes. Here it comes. And. Oh, Ashley, are you are you sleeping, dear? dear? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Are you cozy? I am cozy. Did you fall asleep? No. Well, I was angry. Oh, no. Angry Ashley's back. Only a little bit. Only a little bit. All the goodwill of the movie was ruined by a piece of cake. That is the theme of this episode. Cake. You should always eat it. Do not abandon it. Do not abandon cake. No, especially when it looks so good and moist. Mm-hmm. And that that was like whipped chocolate buttercream icing that was on it. You do watch a lot of baking shows. I do watch a lot of baking shows. <laughs> this is a travesty. Like, if this movie had not been, like, filmed around the time of 9-11, I would have said that that was the greatest tragedy of that time, but it's not. <laughs> it's not. I don't want to be insensitive. Mm-hmm. But you don't leave cake. You don't leave cake. Molly no. Shannon. Yeah, Molly Shannon. That's my review. <laughs> End review. Aw. There I, is a lot to talk about. There's a lot to talk about. You know, for me personally, I still liked it, but I think I liked it a little less um, because, you know, as things happen, as they do, they don't hold that nostalgic weight over just, you or it just, they, they don't hold up anymore. Yeah. Things don't hold, things, things don't necessarily hold up anymore. Like um, LGBTQ <laughs> references, it's like the whole like first scene in it. Has a uh, has a trans joke in it. Yeah, and there's a lesbian joke later on. Lesbian joke later on, which I get it for the time. For the time, it may have actually been progressive. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like as bad as it. No, no, no. Could. It was nowhere near as bad as the really nasty jokes in the wedding singer. No, yeah, totally. And I get it. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is just a movie of its time. And it's totally like, it just, it's something that like, it wouldn't even like exist anymore. Like, I see yeah. it more as like a time capsule sort mm -hmm. of thing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I completely forgot about these jokes. I really liked the little New York vignettes to show the time passing. Mm -hmm. Like that, that was a really cool concept and something i don't think that we see a lot i of. feel like we saw it in sleepless in seattle yeah i feel like i w when they did like the the clock going across with mm -hmm. like the plane traveling i'm like is this exactly from sleepless in seattle it probably was stock footage or yeah something to that effect but the like the traffic mm -hmm. speed ups was were really nice some of the the jump cuts that had that added like little bit of a fade but not a huge long this is time passing phase mm -hmm. fade it was more of a this is a jump cut and then this is another jump cut and then this is a small short passage in time and she's feeling anxious on the plane because mm -hmm. she's going back to new york or the the speed uh, like the the speed ramps were really yeah, cool the ramping was mm -hmm. good it was fun no i thought it was it was very fun and experimental for the time mm-hmm uh, I like especially that. for the story. Yeah, I know they tweaked the story a little. Like they wanted it to seem like originally they shot it to be like the first time they meet takes place in like the eighties or something. Mm -hmm. That's what it said in the trivia. But like nobody kind of like bought that these were twenty year olds. Yeah. <laughs> so we're like, okay, we'll just make it a few years in between instead of this longer gap of time that they hadn't seen each other. Yeah. I it, nine the night the early nineties was believable to me. Yeah, I think if you go back any later, it just it starts to be like the question of why mm -hmm. why are they still looking like it feels like they couldn't move past that or obsessive or stalkery or, or that. Yeah, you're it right. It takes away the serendipity aspect of it or the happenstance aspect of it. Yeah. I I will note that I like how whenever John Cusack does any passages of time in movies, he always has the same like little mullet. Yeah. <laughs> like this is, you know, he always betters himself in movies with a haircut. Yeah, he really does. John, you know. Yeah. Stop. It's a part, he does the hair transformation. Like, it's got to be in his contract. Like, I start the movie out with terrible hair, but then I come back and it's like, oh, look at me. I'm, I'm, I'm John Cusack. I'm John Cusack. You remember me. You like me. Yeah, look at my feathered little. Yeah. Trussle. Yeah. Tressets. Yeah. Tressets. Tressets. 
Uh, no John Cusack in the rain, though, unfortunately. We've got John Cusack in Magic Snow. So there's a trope we I, like. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't like the way that it was. It felt... I don't know. It didn't feel... Because the, the purpose of the movie is, is about happenstance and about letting letting a little bit of magic in your reality. Mm-hmm. But I felt like at the end there was a bit too much magic and a little too little less reality which was like kind of like off-putting from the rest of the movie okay you know what i'm saying yeah the reality of continuing on this this message i personally i did not find john cusack appealing throughout this movie really i really i hated his like the idea that his future wife uh-huh. is the one that gives him the book and brings them back together uh-huh. really bothered me oh tell me because when she she's very thoughtful and she brings she gives him this book and she's like every time we go to a bookstore i see you looking at it and you know but you never you don't have one at home mm-hmm. and this is a first edition and i thought it was really nice and so she was very thoughtful like she didn't he never asked her for this but he also never explained why he did that mm-hmm. and i felt like there's a whole aspect of when you are going to get married to somebody that you need to be, you know, honest with not only yourself, but your partner. And that really turned me off from him. Not only that, but he like constantly he's trying to find this person right before he's getting married and he's not he's not being honest with himself and he's not being honest with the situation. Mm-hmm. And it kind of makes Sarah a manic pixie dream girl mm-hmm. in a way. Because we don't really know a huge, a lot about her. Obviously, she's impulsive because she uproots everything. Like, she has this whole spiel in the beginning. Well, not the, it's towards, it's after they've met and we're reintroduced to them, you know, seven years later. Where she's getting married again and she's talking to John Corbett, which, who disappears randomly in the movie. Like, they break up off screen. Yeah. Which they did the same thing with John Cusack and his bride. They did that off screen. But that was used for... The dramatic tension. Yeah. That was used for that. And so that one made more sense to Mm -hmm. me. Whereas we needed to see at least one breakup scene. At least to feel emotionally okay with the relationship. You know what I'm saying? Like you need to see... You need to see the fact that someone at least is not hurt in all. I felt like I wanted to see John Corbett not hurt by this. Mm. Like he kind of thought about it too. He just thought that that was like his obligation Mm -hmm. or something like that to marry her. Yeah. I feel like to me, you don't feel bad about the John Corbett. They they frame it. You don't feel bad about the John Corbett breakup because he's so goofy. You're Mm -hmm. like, why would you want to be with this goofy guy who is clearly more obsessed with his career? Yeah. The relationship with... Until he shows up in New York. Mm-hmm. Like, I would believe that until he shows up in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's when she breaks up with him. Yeah. But the relationship between Jonathan and Hallie, I don't know if there's anything wrong between them except for Jonathan is just unsettled in it. Like, he's just had the one foot out the door the whole time. Mm-hmm. The fantasy girl. Yeah. And so I needed I needed a sense that these people were emotionally mature enough to deal with relationships in a way. Mm. Because I can deal with a suspension of disbelief. I can deal with magic. I can deal with fate. And those elements typically work for me. Mm-hmm. But in this regard, I just felt like she goes off on this whole thing about how she can't leave her patients for all this time and she can't just uproot her life for him but then she does she moves from san francisco to new york as far as we know from the end well like they, it's, they gotta figure that out i understand that they've got to figure it and there's that whole aspect of suspension of disbelief but why bring it up then mm-hmm. in the beginning unless it's just to make john corbett's character feel guilty but then that's just kind of shitty yeah oh no you're right you're right it's just like the, there's little things in here that, that could have the pieces of information seem very important and then are just thrown away. Mm-hmm. And I don't like it when movies do that because that just seems like poor 
writing decisions. Yeah, no, I think there was poor writing in this. But there's something about it that, I don't know, maybe it's just seeing it of the time and seeing it over and over again on TV that you're just kind of enchanted by the magic of it all because Mm -hmm. it is a little fun uh, mystery chase for both of them where they're putting the pieces together, the clues, and, you know, finding each other. It makes it fun. It's definitely cute, and it does have that fun aspect to it. I just... I guess I didn't emotionally connect with the characters at all to really care if they found one another. Mm-hmm. Like it, the movie essentially is all about the chase mm-hmm. to the point where we don't necessarily get to know these people beyond the surface chase level kind of thing. Yeah. Like I felt like I know more about Jeremy Piven's character than I do about John Cusack's character mm-hmm. because he was emotionally open in certain aspects whether or not i agree with what his character is saying is a whole other story but he definitely opened up a little bit more than john cusack who's just obsessed with this fantasy yeah yeah we don't know about him we don't know about his family we just know he's a television producer for espn yeah who shoots golf videos yep so there's just there's problems with it that i couldn't emotionally let go of to attach to that fate and that magic and what you guys were saying, the love aspect of it. (laughs) I like that. Sam and I were like, Ashley, what you got against love? (laughs) Why you always hate love? And it's not that I hate love. I just don't, I, I think we as people confuse obsession with love sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that can be very difficult dangerous mm-hmm. in my mind because obsession is your you are creating the character in your mind you actually are not in love with the person you're in love with the idea of the person or the fantasy aspect of it and when you conflate that with with romantic love and with relationships it can be very traumatizing to the reality of the situation Like, I literally, I love magic. I love cutesy love stories. But there has to be that element of, I don't want to say emotional maturity because it's not that. It's that element where no boundaries, I guess, are going to be pushed or or kind of overstepped. Like, where, where, like, the whole problem with Manny Pixie Dreamgirls, how how they just, their, their sole purpose there is for the man, Mm -hmm. for that, the male character's story arc right they have no boundaries essentially because they are not real people so when we kind of create this idea that obsession is okay it plays into rape culture it plays into this idea that love like if you love somebody then they are obligated to love you back or or that it it creates problems Mm -hmm. to me that are are bigger than hating love (laughs) (laughs) we were just picking on her I know, but I I do want to explain that. You just have to have a healthy balance of obsession, love, and romantic love, and hate. And there's there's a fine line between all of these emotions. And you have to be able to recognize it in yourself when you are going in a certain direction that is unhealthy. Yeah. And be open to, to the fact that you might be wrong. Be open to the rejection. I don't think that we show enough of rejection. Mm-hmm. We always show these positive stories about love. Like, oh, he he broke up with his, his wife or he jilted his wife at the altar or canceled his wedding, but he still got the girl in the end. Mm-hmm. Like that's, it's, you're lessening the negative here. Someone did get hurt. Yes. Just because these two people got together and that may be good doesn't necessarily, it still makes it morally gray. Mm-hmm. doesn't make it morally okay sorry i'm very ranty today <laughs> okay uh do you thank thank you for that ashley your <laughs> no. wise words of love on this valentine's day on this valentine's day <laughs> oh shall we get into the plot didn't even mean for that <laughs> this was not planned <laughs> it's never planned this is the cutaways podcast yeah, what's what is it? planning that's a, that's one of our taglines <laughs> yeah. it's not planned <laughs> So we start out at Bloomingdale's in New York, and we follow this pair of gloves, this glove's journey. I hated this. Why you hate this? I don't know. I hated that there were gloves in a basket. Like, (laughs) 
That's a filing basket. Why did like she could have carried them? I don't know. And it's Christmas shopping, and the it says on the screen a few years ago. And uh, so they meet Jonathan and Sarah, trying to grab the same pair of gloves, and you black know, black cashmere gloves, right? From so, Bloomingdale's, so you know one of them is going to turn out to be O.J. Simpson. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, it turns out that she lets him have the glove. No, he lets her have the gloves. He they let- fight over them, then like yeah. they trade back and forth, and then some random dude comes in and tries to take them. Yeah. And then they make up the trans story. Yeah. And then he lets her have the gloves. And she repays him by taking him to Serendipities. Yes. For a frozen hot chocolate. Which you've never been to Serendipities. I have never been to Serendipities. I have. I don't go to the East Coast. Let's go. Okay. As long as we get to go to Broadway. Well, yeah. That's all I care about. (laughs) Broadway. Oh, can I, like, make up for the abandoned chocolate cake at Serendipities? Yes. Okay, you that's my whole mission in life now. Mm-hmm. Go to Serendipities. Go and to get Serendipities. A, get a, chocolate, get a cake. chocolate cake and tweet at Molly Shannon about how I'm actually going to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> this is how you eat cake, Molly <laughs> Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> gonna haunt her till the end of her days. Oh God, <laughs> you're gonna get blocked. <laughs> so we learn about Sarah here. She believes fate is behind everything like she's very into it at this moment yes and jonathan is just like girl i just want to get your number they have like five meat cutes yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. she leaves and then they they both have to go back to serendipities because they left something there and they're like oh that's fate that's fate let's let's hang out let's go ice skating because fate yeah. Fate brought us back together. We were, we said goodbye. We did our goodbye. We we're going to be like, see ya. But fate, fate wants us to be together. Fate, fate, Ashley. Fate wants us to be together. Oh, fate made us be together. That's right. This podcast is brought to you by fate. Fate. <laughs> Fight. Fight. The Scottish kind. <laughs> In the Highlands. Yep. Without Mel Gibson. Right. <laughs> Let's see. They get to know each other while going ice skating. Like, what's your favorite movie? What's your favorite blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. What's your favorite blah, blah, blah? Blah, 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 blah. Oh, good one. Or bibbity, bobbity, boo. There it is. I like saying that. She does, she trips on the ice. Like, she flies through the air. It wasn't a trip. She was, like, body checked. (laughs) By ghosts. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, the, the ghost of Marc Messier, who is not dead at all, came from the New York Rangers and then just body checked her. Yep. So she like scrapes up her elbow and then he's like, look at them freckles, girl. Looks like Cassiopeia. And then again, she she tries to give him, she's like, okay, here's my number. But then fate blows the number away. And he's like, oh no, girl. Give it back. Give it back. That, that's, that's my Jonathan Traeger. This whole movie It's like, oh girl. I found it really annoying that she had like accepted giving him her or giving her yeah, or giving, giving him, him her number. Yeah. And then refused to do it again. Because fate. But it was like, no. <laughs> I found it a little annoying and obnoxious. Yeah, yeah. She is a bit annoying in the beginning where she's just like, Nope, nope, every little thing is fate decided from this moment on. Yeah, because especially since they were standing right next to a subway grate. Yeah. It's just like, no, that was the subway moving the air. Yeah. I I mean, okay. Yeah. I'm not going to be so jaded about fate. I love fate. Fate, me, me and Fre- fate are bros. <laughs> but, um, like, I think it was because it, they didn't really necessarily play by the rules of threes on this. Mm. They kind of, it was so, there was so much mm-hmm. of the back and forth that it's just like, yeah, make up your mind. Line? Yeah, like... At some point, you have to be, it's like Molly Shannon says, at some point, you have to be responsible for your decisions and for your choices in life. Otherwise, we wouldn't get out of bed in the morning. Right. Which, totally 100% behind that, considering I am literally laying down right now. (laughs) But Maybe that's what it is. In the beginning, it's just too extreme. And in the end, it's just like, I'm... It's too, it's not enough, like, um, of the mixture that I'm looking for. Like, it goes back to that fate thing. Yeah. 
So she's like, okay, here's what we going to do. You're going to write your number on a $5 bill, and then that's going to recirculate. And if that comes to me, I'll have your number. And he's like, oh, shouldn't it be even? He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to write my name and number in this book, Love in the Time of Cholera, and I'm going to sell it in a used bookstore. And someday you'll find the book. Yeah. And then... uh. And then we had to have the elevator fate thing. The elevator test. Which, oh, I hated that. I hated that child and the father who wouldn't parent his child who was dressed like the devil. And it wasn't even Halloween. It was Christmas. Yeah. Why were you dressed as a devil on Christmas? That seems so sacrilegious to me right now. (laughs) And I'm not even religious. Yeah. It could have just been an evil little child because children are a little evil people but we didn't need the the added like visual symbolism of this child is literally the devil. like he started yeah. screaming yeah he was hissing yeah so he pushes all the elevator buttons so, so they were supposed to like pick the same floor which they did they did pick the same floor except the devil child went in and pushed all the buttons so she left the, the, that was his like test to be like okay but if we do this one thing right now and fate makes us meet together again then fuck it, we're, we're together right now. Right now, right now. But then fate intervened. But I just thought this was all unnecessary. Like, I think once you have a plan that you, like, have set in motion, you mm-hmm. have to follow that plan. Yeah. Because otherwise you confuse fate. Fate gets annoyed with that. Maybe that's what it was. Fate was just like, I'm annoyed with you. Here's a devil child. Yeah, like, that. that makes more sense to me. Okay. So then time passes into the future. There's clock montages and sundials. Mm. I loved the clouds that they got in this. Yeah. Shutterstock.com. Yeah. (laughs) And then Jeremy Piven is giving his speech. Yeah, his best man speech, which was kind of like mine, but not as good as mine. Where he said that he was was John Cusack's first wife. Yeah. That's you didn't like say us. you were my first wife. No, I didn't say that. But if I had more time, maybe I would have. <laughs> Your speech was long. <laughs> Thanks. I have very little memory of my wedding, as we've established. Yeah. We're just all traumatized. It's all just traumas now. Yep. It's it's the part that traumatizes the most. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's it. Everything else, don't remember. Nope. Anyway. Anyway, Jonathan is... Getting married to Hallie this week. It's a few days away. And uh, he's still thinking about Sarah. He's always thinking about Sarah. Yeah. Which I find really annoying. I don't know if I've expressed that enough. I find this really annoying. And so... Okay. Mm. It would be the man who would get away with that shit. Mm -hmm. Like a woman couldn't do that. A woman couldn't be getting married to a man... And be thinking about another man three days before her wedding. Mm. And then jilting him. Like, we would get so much social hate. But John Cusack's okay. Yeah. No, yeah, I definitely felt it more now, watching it, studying it, you know. Yeah. Being a rom-com expert. I definitely felt it more now of like, why you do this? Why? 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 What's your reason? The way that I would write it now. Mm Mm-hmm. Is it would be like a bachelor party movie, mm-hmm. but it would be like the bride's thing. Like the bride would already know about it. It would be like this funny joke and she would give him permission to go and do like try and find her again. And if it, they find her, then they weren't meant to be together. Mm-hmm. Like there's that whole like consent part of it that I think would make it better for me. Mm. Like the cons- the other consenting parties. I see. Like, it would still be shitty to break up, like, after a Bachelor thing. But I, I think, because then it plays into that fate aspect again, mm-hmm. where she says, I know that, you know, you were searching for her for so long before you found me, and I feel like you need closure before we can actually do this. Yeah. I feel like that would have been a... S- yeah. And, like, that's the argument that they were both given, was that mm-hmm. they both needed closure on it. Yeah. So if, if we had permission from one, the other, like the party, mm-hmm. the third party aspect of it, I think it would have lessened the, the hate that I had towards it. Mm-hmm. Because then she knows going into it that she could be hurt. Mm-hmm. She knows that, that that is a possibility that their the relationship could end. Yeah. 
she's probably not thinking that it's going to. Yeah. But I mean, at that point, I don't know, it sucks and it's all those wasted years. But like at that point, you got to put on the like, would I want to be with someone with this attitude? Yeah. It's a, it's a self-analyzing thing. But I do think that's how I would make the movie today. Mm-hmm. Because I think that gives a little bit more more depth to the, the stand-in like kind of bride character. Mm-hmm. Like it puts a whole other spin on it. It definitely makes it a love triangle more that way, mm-hmm. which I find maybe a little annoying and a little overused now. But I think people are a little bit more open to the idea that everybody in this situation is consenting to it. So they understand that the, there is the possibility that they're going to get hurt. And with that understanding, we as people are a little bit more open to gray kind of ness mm-hmm. to stories. Yes. So meanwhile, Sarah now lives in San Francisco on the other side of the country, and she is a counselor helping people out. Which I don't think they needed to do this. I don't think she needed to move to San Francisco. Like, she could have moved to Brooklyn or something. Mm. Mm. And still been with rockstar John Corbett. Ooh, Yanni John Corbett. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. So, yeah, that night she gets engaged to Yanni John Corbett. Um, yeah. Do you have anything to say about that scene? The ring doesn't fit. The ring don't fit. Which is okay. My ring didn't fit when he got it for me. Jonathan keeps hearing the name Sarah. So he goes and tells his best friend, Jeremy Piven, who works for the obituaries. At the New York Times. Mm-hmm. Which that wasn't established very easily, like very much early on. Except he was sitting at a desk that said obits. But oh, I didn't notice that. No, no, no. Like, I don't think I had noticed that really until this time. And I'm like, aha, there it <laughs> is. Um, so he wants to find her. And they're like, you're getting married in three days. But first clue, he finds the receipt. Sarah's- he finds the glove again. Yeah, he finds the glove again in their bed. Which was weird. It's still in the bag. And in the glove is the receipt from Sarah. And he does the most uh, the most John Cusack thing ever. What? Where he pulls it out and sniffs it. Yeah, he does sniff a lot of things. <laughs> did he sniff the coat at the end? Because I thought he was going to. I think he did. <laughs> he definitely smells a lot of things. I feel like he did before he rolled it up and put it under his head. I 100% think he did. I feel like we've learned a lot about John Cusack in these past three episodes. We can do like a John Cusack like acting class. Yeah. Like it involves rain. Rain and smelling things. Yes. <laughs> and phone work. Yeah. And, and using phones. Yes. Which he didn't use the phone a lot. He had Jeremy Piven call right. all his phone calls. But he also likes to fix his hair before doing something important. Yeah. Ah, ah, here it goes. <laughs> The smelling things was the thing I noticed the most yeah, this time, though. Yeah, this one, he was definitely smelling <laughs> a lot of things. <laughs> Sarah is also seeing signs as well. So she's got Jonathan on her mind. Which their engagement was fucking quick. We saw we saw him propose. Uh-huh. Then we, we, saw, we heard about them like planning the wedding. And then she's like, I'm getting married in a week. I'm like, what? what was, was your freaking engagement three weeks? I don't know. It was. I don't know if I caught that, but definitely, like, it had to fit in the tour that he was just about to go on. Yeah. So it's like it had to be like fit in the next months. <laughs> well, like they could have waited until next year when he wasn't on tour, or like plan like planned a tour around there. It was just. It was so a little bit too outside of planning. Yeah. A wedding. Yeah. Because it takes a lot of work, guys. Hmm. So Jonathan tries to get her uh, account info, and we meet Eugene Levy. Who I found annoying in this movie. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 felt, I think this is the problem, is I'm, I've seen this character a shit ton. The character who's only going to help because you buy something from him. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's overused now, so maybe that's why I was just like, Eugene Levy, you're better than this. Mm. He is better than that. Yeah. So, what else do we see? We see John Corbett's music video. 
and his beautiful hair. She's <laughs> fun. I just, uh, John Corbett as some sort of Yanni character might be the best part of the movie. It's up there. It's up there, definitely. I would 100% agree with that. Yeah. Like, I was there for his <laughs> scenes. <laughs> yeah. Sarah wants to take a weekend away because she's just so flustered. That's what she says, but really she's thinking about this Jonathan thing. She wants to go to New York and find Jonathan. That's her plan. So she brings along her best friend, Eve, played by Molly Shannon, and they go to New York. And uh, Jonathan finds the old address, and Sarah finds a golf flyer to fate take her path to, to the golf thing, the putt range. And uh, Eve gets knocked upside the head, and that has nothing to do with anything. No, but she does touch Jonathan's gum uh-huh. that he had left there because he was like producing a segment. Yeah, you see them, they are starting to cross paths. And even like there is a point when they are outside was serendipities and they leave. Yeah, she they go to serendipities next, Sarah and Eve, mm-hmm. and the, the cake thing happens. And she's like, if fate is in control, what's the point of living? I'm going to leave this cake. Bye. It's fate. Now we'll take care of this cake. And I have the $5 in my change. Yep. She takes the $5 and they just miss the boys because the boys are looking for the rental place that she used to rent through. It's now a bridal shop. Yep. So he's like, oh, man. I got to go to my wedding rehearsal. Fate is telling me. Fate is telling me. They have this huge debate of like what signs are and what fate is. It was very John Cusack. Yeah. Jeremy Piven was very much like John Cusack's character from Say Anything in this movie. Did you get those vibes at all? Mm. Like his rants, mm-hmm. uh, like especially the rant to the kid about like corporate. Yeah. Like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To own, like, people owning your soul or whatever, and you're uh-huh. just out of college, and you're already part of the establishment, and blah, blah, yeah. blah. I got intense Lou Dobler vibes from him. Lloyd. Lloyd. Whatever. I've <laughs> only seen it once. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were best friends in that. And apparently in real life, too. Mm-hmm. So, the girls cross paths with Hallie, the fiancé, and Eve knows Hallie, and so, like... For some reason, Hallie's like, come to my rehearsal. Which would never happen, Which ever. would never happen. I don't know. She was just like an RA in college. Just be like, oh, hey, hi, see ya. But yeah, she's just like, I would love it if you would come to our rehearsal, our wedding rehearsal, which is happening right now. And then uh, she's like, and you can bring your uh, uh, partner? Like, nobody would do that. Like, in real life, you'd be like, sister? <laughs> Like your friend, your friend. I would just said friend. Yeah, yeah. And, and then they would correct me on whatever it is. Yeah. And I don't think I don't think anybody would take offense to that. No, to friend, no. No, I feel like more people would. I mean, sisters would definitely take offense to it if you said yeah your partner. But I don't. I don't know. I don't feel like a lot of people would take a huge offense to being like called a partner. I don't know. Let's just call everybody friends. Yeah. Let's just say your. Your acquaintance or yeah. your... This person you're standing next yeah. to. <laughs> this person you know. Yeah. And whoever this person is. Yeah. That works. Like, that's something I would say. Yeah. And this person. This person human. who's also a human yeah. here. <laughs> this human. If you also figure. like weddings... <laughs> Come you're, on you're, down to the wedding factory. You're welcome. To the <laughs> wedding factory. <laughs> yes. Which seemed like it was really fucking expensive. And the fact that he walked out on her really pissed me off. At the wa- at the Waldorf. I yes. can't say. Oh, man, it's the place I can't say. Waldorf store. Yeah, that one. Waldorf. <laughs> Remember, I had to say this before. I can't say it. Yeah. Wald. Wal- <laughs> oh, God. The Wally Hotel. Waldorf. Astoria. Yeah. There you go. You did it. Thanks. You did good. I had to do a really sl- I can't say it. My accent forbids me so. Which is weird since, you know, it is an East Coast hotel. Yeah. Well, it's New York. I don't know how they would say Wal, Wal, Waldorf. Waldorf? Waldorf. I can't say it. Well, how would people from Boston say it? The Waldorf. The Waldorf? The Waldorf. <laughs> well. So you're saying that having a wedding at the fancy hotel that I speak not its name... Was like probably thirty thousand dollars at and least. Then he just like straight up cancels it. Yeah, 
Mm, and yeah. you don't get your no. money back when you cancel that late. Mm-mm. They can't do anything with that venue. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, Eve goes to the wedding rehearsal. And then Hallie calls out Jonathan for being distracted. She's like, where have you been this week, yo? Your mind is elsewhere. We get married tomorrow. tomorrow. That's what I would do. I'd be like, get your shit together. <laughs> Put some goddamn socks on those goddamn cold feet <laughs> and fix your shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I have been dreaming about this goddamn day and have had all this social conditioning for this to be my day and you're not going to ruin it, sir. Sir. <laughs> mm. Snaps. And then, he, and then she gives him the book. Yeah. That caring, kind gesture, as you mentioned. It was. Yeah. And it's the book. It's, it's the, the book. book. The it's book. So, made me so mad. It made you just rage quit. Yeah, I did. <laughs> You're like, nope. <laughs> this wasn't as bad as rage quit on Reality Bites, but it was pretty close. <laughs> I don't know if you heard my audible groan, but there was one. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Jonathan and Dean... Fly oh, to his San- name was Dean. His name was Dean <laughs> Winchester. No. Jeremy Piven's name was Dean. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, I didn't. I just, I yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they fly to San Francisco because they found the house because they have to look up the address. They didn't call ahead. This was so unnecessary and was just a callback to the fact that the people wanted to stay at their house. Right. So he sees the people having sex in their house. They're, they're like look-alike people. I guess. To Sarah, at least. Yeah. Having the, the, the wild kinky sex in the, in, right in the bay window in the, in the well-lit house. House. <laughs> in the middle of the nowhere. Yeah. In San Francisco Bay Area. Mm-hmm. That, that much land in San Francisco. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, where they living, yo? <laughs> like, I didn't think he, Yanni would make that much money. Yanni's got a bank, got, yo. Yeah. Although, He's that playing... wasn't even his house, actually. It's not? It's not Yanni's house? No, Yanni's, like, the Lani's living room was huge. That's I think Yanni's. that was her house. No, that's, maybe they live together. That, I don't know. I was confused. Confused. Either way, people are in their house. Yeah. They were getting jiggy with it. Yes. Na, 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 na. So, off screen, as you mentioned, Yanni and Sarah break up. John Corbett Yanni. Yeah. He gets dumped. And so she's on the plane to go back and she's buying a pair of headphones and she's got Eve's purse, her Prado bag. And she. I don't know how this happened. How. When did they switch wallets? Because when would they. Because she had her purse, like her actual purse. I don't know. This was confusing. I to don't me. know. I don't know. I I did not catch that. This I mean, time. I knew I knew it was gonna be the setup with when she bought the the, the exact product. same. Yeah, the fake Prada wallet. But mm-hmm. like seriously, yeah, it happened. Yeah. So she she pays with the five dollar bill, and then she's like, "Oh my god, I have to exit this plane immediately." <laughs> Pre nine eleven, this was okay. Yes. She hustles to the hotel. And she gets in there, and she's like, is it over? And then a troll, (laughs) a bridge troll working at the hotel answers her. Oh, it's over, all right. (laughs) And by over, I mean it never began. (laughs) (laughs) There was such a long pause. And then she left him and he was asking, are you a friend of the bride? Are you a friend of the group? I thought this, this older gentleman was very sweet. Yeah. No, he's a legit bridge troll. Bridge trolls need love, too. Yeah. Hashtag. <laughs> so, Jonathan and Dean are like, okay, you broke it off. Dean is going to go fix his life with Courtney. And uh, he gives him the obituary, which was his best man speech or whatever. Something, 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 something about destiny. It leads him to the skating rink. There's magic snow. And Sarah shows up. And throws a glove. <laughs> From really far away. But as she threw like a football pass. <laughs> like she should have been a baseball star, yeah. quarterback, or cricket star or yeah. something. 
And uh, they they look in each other's eyes. He goes, I'm Jonathan. I'm Sarah. And then they kiss. It's a rotating kiss, too. Yeah. Rotating transition kiss. Yeah. To transition to blah, 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 blah. Happy, Happy anniversary. anniversary. <laughs> Here's some wine in, in Bloomingdale's. <laughs> Bloomingdale's, not Bergdorf's, but... <laughs> Bloomingdale's who like no they would not even let you carry an open bottle of wine in there no anyway carry on no that's the end oh that is the end that is the end of the movie oh and then Eugene Levy closes the store and then like they run around and it's supposed to be goofy but really kind of wasn't it's the end it's the end of of the world yes I know it do you feel fine no sorry I just tore apart this movie that you love I now I'm like I don't love it, but I'm like oh man I used to love it, but no it wasn't you. I think it's time has passed and I don't know. Yeah, people it, change. It, people change. It does have faults. I feel fine. You just had to finish it, didn't you? That's <laughs> what I do. Okay, let's type in serendipity in Google. Serendipity movie. I think is what you're gonna need. Images. I like. The cover. Look how cute it is. It looks like a romance novel. Why are they in the rain? It is the rain. Ooh. John Cusack, it's contractually obligated, contractually. so they had to put it on the cover. Rain. Maybe they cut out the rain scene. Oh, man. There are two taglines. What are the taglines? The top says, destiny with a sense of humor. And the one on the bottom says, can once in a lifetime happen twice? You know what it looks like to me? What? It looks like the cover of a time travel romance movie. It does. <laughs> I think that's what I like about it. <laughs> oh my god, we need to talk about the fact that I'm listening. I was listening to Tom Hanks's audiobook, right? Uh huh. Right. Uh huh. He has a time travel sci-fi uh, story. Oh yeah. And it's so good. So good. You are just hawking like Tom Hanks's books all over. This oh my podcast. god, it's so good. And especially if you get the audiobook and he reads it, it's so good. Everyone should do it. But anyway, yeah, the cover looks like a time travel romance movie. Like the lake house. Yes. Strong agree. It could be the <laughs> Winter's Tale, which also takes place in New York. Do you like their their heads together and like that almost kiss sort of thing? She doesn't look like a human being. You can't see her face she at all. She looks like Nicole Kidman. Oh my God, she does. Wow. Yeah, she really does. I like the cover. I like the cover. It just doesn't convey that this is a movie about fate. Right. It's cute, though. It's cute. It's very cute. It's a movie that I would go see. Yeah. Even with its weird typography. Yeah. Yeah. Are you ready to rate this movie? Yes. Are you? Yeah. I'm going to go first. Okay. I'm going to give this movie three boxes within boxes. Oh my god, I, the straight up, we didn't even really talk about it, no. but I straight up turned around to Sam and I said, if you would have uh, asked me to marry you like this, I would have said no. I knew that, you, <laughs> I love that you knew that it was an engagement scene before like the little box even came out. Yeah. <laughs> and she just like took one box out of a bigger box and you were just like, don't you fucking dare. <laughs> <laughs> this is a fucking fear, man. <laughs> box phobia. Mm-hmm. Um... I am going to rate this movie higher than you think I'm going to. Okay. I am going to rate this movie two and a half. Mm-hmm. One lonely piece of cake. Aww. And then the one and a half gloves. <laughs> so the lonely cake with the gloves. The lonely cake with the gloves. But your rating is two and a half. Two and a half. Okay. <laughs> I need. I, I'm sorry. I I obsessed over the stupid cake, so I needed to make sure that it was there. Yeah. But I didn't want to rate it just one lonely cake. Yeah. Because I didn't hate it that much. No, I, didn't I know. Like no, it, and I'm totally on borderline of giving yeah. it a two and a half as yeah. well. But it's the nostalgia factor that yeah. rounds it out for me. Exactly. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like a couple rewrites, a couple like edits on certain things, or reframing certain things. I think would have helped it out a lot more. For sure. Okay, so now uh, I would like to read a review in our mailbag section of the podcast. We've got mail. All the mail. This is an iTunes review from Natafire. Natafire. It's a 
five stars titled, Seriously Love These Ladies. This is my favorite podcast to listen to on my commute. Justine and Ash are hilarious. I want to be best friends with them. I also love hearing their perspective on the actual filmmaking aspects of movies. Hashtag Lady Pod Squad for life. Hashtag Lady Pod Squad. Yeah, yeah. I like your shoulder movements there. Yeah. Oh, we're not doing a video podcast right now, so nobody can see my epic dance moves. I know, right? I just and totally. Jaslyn can't make gifts of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Nata Fire. Thank I you. Hope your commute to work is satisfactory for satisfactory. this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I know that. Pe- okay. So I know that serendipity is like some a lot of people's quintessential romantic comedy. And I feel like I just completely trashed on it. Oh. So, but I hope I made sense. Yeah, yeah, I think you did. No, yeah, it's something we come across a lot with like updating yeah. the movies. So we don't want to like trash your nostalgia. If it's something that you like, like what you like, but yeah. just not my cup of tea. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. But you know what we're doing next week? I'm so excited for next week. Next week, we are watching 2001's Legally Blonde. What? Yes. What? We- We're there. Yeah. We're there. The bend and snap is coming oh, back, Oh, yeah. <laughs> and guess what? We totally have a guest who has never seen this movie. I know. Guys. Guys. Oh, my God. I- I'm excited. I can't wait. If you're excited about Legally Blonde and you want to hear it a little earlier... Become a patron on patreon.com slash cutaways podcast. It'll only cost you a dollar. Yeah. One dollar. For the whole month. And we put out at least two episodes a month. Sometimes more. Sometimes more depending on the month. Yeah. Like Or Justine's schedule. Or Justine's schedule. Which Ashley's schedule is always fucked up. (laughs) Justine's schedule is going to change soon. I know. Which means we might be adding that additional podcast. That'll be interesting. And definite, uh, sh- oh, I want to shout out uh, our patron, Serena, who I saw this week. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, I went to her art show, and it was awesome, and she's just like, I love your podcast! <laughs> and, yeah, she she was telling people, like, it was her art show, but she was telling people <laughs> there about our podcast, and I was like, girl! Stop! <laughs> girl, this is your night! Talk about yourself! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you, we appreciate it, but honey, no. I mean, no. <laughs> we love you, though. Yes. <laughs> um, our website is thecutaways.com, and you can find us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram as at Cutaways Podcast. And we would love it if you would leave us comments and rate us and subscribe to us, please, on Apple Podcast Stitcher or your favorite podcatcher. And I do want to say, since this actually happened, what was this? Was this this week? This week felt so long. Yes. That this happened? Yes. Where we got email. So we did get uh, an email. So yeah, if there's anything that happens in a previous episode or in a future episode that you want to discuss with us, please, but you don't want to do it through social media and have it all public and blow up and all that other stuff, um, you can reach out to us through our email. It's cutawayspodcast at Mm -hmm. gmail.com. We will try to get back to you as fast as we possibly can. Um, So... Please feel free. We are always open about talking about, you know, our opinions and stuff, even as long as it's not hate or or death threats mm-hmm. or anything like that. We are more than willing to, to sit down and talk to you mm-hmm. um, in an even wonderful, cutesy manner. Yeah. So. With cupcakes. With cupcakes and slumber parties. Mm-hmm. And maybe some chips for Ashley. There you go. I'm having a salt craving. <laughs> well, happy Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah, it's Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. To those who look to us for love and romance. Please don't. You're looking in the wrong place. Yeah. (laughs) Especially when Justine has to explain what a lap dance is to me. (laughs) (laughs) Snaps. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really glad that you didn't have to give me any sexual education today. Not today. Not today. Thanks for joining our slumber party. Thank you. Bye. The Oxford English Dictionary defines an Anglophile as a person who is fond of or greatly admires England or Britain. Hello, 
I'm Sarah of Clan McCracken, an American lass obsessed with all things Great Britain and the host of Layback and Think of England. Every other week, I'll be dissecting and squeeing about British culture and history via my favorite shows, movies, and books. This is my way of playing virtual tourist as I am broke as a joke. You can find all the appropriate links on the Come Listen to Me Talk tab of my website, otherbluegirl.wordpress.com. Cheerio, and I hope to speak with you very soon.